But I hope that we listen to the Spirit when he does tell us what to do. Amen? Come on now. I'm just going to jump right in. Uh, Romans 8. I went all the way to verse 12 last week. I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. We're going verses 9 through 13. Excuse me, I went to verse 11 last week. So we're going to go through verses 9 through 13 today. And let me read this. Let me just jump right into this today. Spirit's here, amen? Let's keep them here. Hallelujah. Verse 9 says this in Romans 8. I'll give you a little bit of an introduction after I read this, but I don't want to spend too much time not getting to the scripture. It says this, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, one of my favorite verses, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Amen. Can somebody say amen today? Amen. Yeah, y'all going to talk to me. Okay. We ain't going to be quiet today. All right. So as we have kind of already spoken about in, in weeks previous, getting off my vacation and, and being back last week was amazing. Beck did a great job of holding down the fort while I was gone. Um, we've come to the understanding, and it's been said plenty of times, that Romans is kind of like the crown jewel of the word, only because of how well it was penned, how well it was written. Paul did an amazing job. Again, it wasn't Paul, it was Jesus. It was God writing through Paul, obviously, right? We can say that chapters 6, 7, and 8 is like the crown jewel of Romans. And in those chapters, it talks about justification, sanctification, and now we are here at glorification. Okay, glorifying God. The question is, ladies and gentlemen, what are we glorifying? Paul is speaking to us about something in these scriptures from verse 1 in chapter 8 all the way to the end of the chapter about glorifying God. But what characteristic are we glorifying? Are we glorifying his eloquence of speech? Uh, I don't think so. Are we glorifying the way that he responded to the Pharisees in his stories when he walked in his three years of ministry here on earth? Uh, well, you know, maybe. Are we glorifying XYZ of who we think God is? We come with a whole bunch of characteristics. I'm going to say to you right now, today, the reason, no, the what of the glorification is the power of God. And that is it. Did, is there anybody in the room today? It's the power of God. And why are we glorifying that? Because, ladies and gentlemen, you couldn't pull yourself out of your crap yesterday. But the power of God could. Amen? There's some things that are, I don't know, tormenting you. Let's just say that. The power of God is the only thing that will save you from yourself. And Paul said that in, ver in chapter 7, verses 14 through the end of the chapter. I do the very things that I do not want to do. And the thing that I should be doing, I find myself not even close. <laughs> and the members of my body are not in harmony with the will of Christ that's in my heart. Paul's saying, what do I do about this? Guess what? There is no amount of thinking that can pull you out of that. 
There's no amount of philosophizing about what Luke said, two plus two does not equal fish. But however, we got people out there thinking that it's okay to think that. It is the power of God that will save you. Amen? It is the power of God that will bring you up out. Whatever it is, I don't know what it is today. I don't know. That's what's being glorified through the entire chapter 8 of Romans. Are you with me today? What was preached last week was don't think about things that have to do with your flesh. You want some how-tos on how to walk in his power? Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Don't set your mind on the things of Alex or things of Beck, things of Clay, things of Vicky, things of the Rudisils. Okay? Set your mind on the Spirit. And what comes from that is the fruit of the Spirit. We get to this place in these, these scriptures. Verse 9. I'm just going to start picking this apart. Are we all on the same page this morning? I'm a little bit fired up. And that's okay. You can tell we put all the worship stuff on this level so I can like walk around up here now. It's good stuff. That was supposed to be kind of funny, but I don't know about you guys this morning. So Paul gets done telling us about the difference between setting your mind on the things of the spirit and setting your mind on the things of the flesh. Basically saying, you want to live? Think about Jesus. You want to full out sprint towards death? Set your mind on yourself. That's pretty, you know, black and white. All right? And we want it that way. Then he says this, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Then he makes this statement, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to you. He does not belong to him. Here's a conversation, narrative, in the church that I want to kill right now. I want to say it like this. The scripture is killing. Not me. Have you ever heard people say, he's a Christian, but he's not spirit-filled? As if... When he asked Jesus or she asked Jesus into their life, the Spirit didn't come with them. That we have Spirit-filled Christians and we have non-Spirit-filled Christians. This scripture is killing that conversation. Why? It's saying, again, however, you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. When you asked him into your heart, it worked the first time. And guess who came? Trinity. All of them. You got all of it. Alright? And then it makes a statement. It says, but if anyone does not have the Spirit, he does not belong to him. Simply put, if you haven't asked Christ into your life, that's the only reason you don't have the Spirit. So here, here's how this narrative got started. Well, he's not walking in the Spirit. Well, guess what? There's scriptures that say we can quench the Holy Spirit. Are you with me today? So I am appealing to you that if you have asked Christ into your life, you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you right now. Are there things that you are doing to quench that? And if there are, I'm telling you, the power that can bring you up out, we're suppressing it. Are you with me this morning? Okay? I want to kick that out the door. We don't want that here. That can't live here. That can't live in your home. That can't live in your marriage. Don't quench it. 
because he's in you. If that's the truth, use it. Amen? Ooh, come on now, church. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Before I get to this verse, if you could with me, I just want to make sure we get our cross-references because sometimes I get so excited I skip them. And you guys are probably reading it like, what does that mean? How did we pull that out? So real quick, let's go to Ezekiel. Turn over to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 26. This is verses 26 and 27. And this just speaks to something being put in you. And this is all over the word, but this is, this is the one for today. It says, moreover, verses 26 and 27. We got it up on the screen. Good. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you... A heart of flesh, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. See, that's even in the Old Testament he's talking about the spirit. You know? Spirit of God, he's going to put it in you. When you accept Jesus into your life, it now resides. You are spirit-filled. There's no such thing as a non-spirit-filled Christian. Okay? So, as bold as I'm trying to be today, I might get a few emails emails on that one, but you know what? Okay. I'm okay with that. I want a people who walks in the Spirit. So we get this verse 10. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. Now, Let's hit the cross-reference first. I'm going to explain three parts of God's power. I'm going to use a little bit of an analogy. And then I want to make a statement. Let me make the statement before we go to Second Peter. The healthiest body in this room, if we were to take a, I don't know, fitness test, <laughs> you're going to die. How about that? <laughs> like... Does that, does that make sense? Like, that's, that's where our bodies are going. If the Spirit of Christ is in us, like this verse is saying, yet though through sin, which we, we're not sinners, but we're sinful, all right? Our body is dead. Do you realize that you're a walking miracle? You in of yourself right now are a walking miracle because of the power of God, which I'll get to. I just kind of went backwards saying, here's what I'm going to do. And then I went backwards the other way. So let's go to Second Peter right quick. Does that make sense? I want you to understand that this morning. You're a walking miracle because of what the scripture is communicating to us. But Second Peter, verses, uh, Second Peter 1, 13 and 14. says this, I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. That is in congruent conjunction, excuse me, with the statement of even the healthiest body in Fort Collins, there's nothing you can do to deal with death. There's nothing you can do to get away from that. 
this earthly dwelling is going to pass away. If that's the case, but yet I have life in me right now, number one, life in me right now is because of the Spirit, but it's because of His power. I wanted to open up with this, but I just got so excited to get to the scripture that we just started reading. There are three Greek words for power. There's, there's a few more that are, how do I say, one word takes care of three others. It's kind of saying the same thing. And the three Greek words for power that I want to bring out this morning, the first one is dunamis. The second one is exousia. The third one is kratos. Did I say that right? Now, I want you to understand the difference between these three power of God in these three. Dunamis, let's think of this as a river, okay? What is a river made up of? Number one, water, right? But a river is not a river unless it's directed somewhere, because then it's what? A lake. It's just water hanging out, right? So you got river, you got water moving, you got water directed, or the banks, okay? And then have you ever heard of, um, I don't know if it's, it's, cubic feet per second or something, like how fast the river is moving. I'm sure you have as a firefighter, you have to know that, right? Because you're pulling people out. Anyway, these three words, I, I want to help us understand what each of them mean. Dunamis is specific to the miracle working of God. It's the power to call somebody out from the dead. The power to heal you. The power to, as he touches you, it affects you. What does water do? You see it rain and it's going down a slope. All of a sudden, that water pools up. It starts to make a canal, right? Everything that it touches, it affects. That's that water, the movement of it. Then you get exousia. What's exousia? It's straight up. That's a weird thing to say on the pulpit. The power of God in his authority. That is the banks of the river. It's the authority to direct that healing power, to just say something and all of a sudden it's there. Does that make sense? This kratos is, have you ever stood in a river and it's hard to stand up? Because the power of that water is beating up against your body and it takes everything in you not to get swept away. I want to say hopefully you have experienced that, but that'd be a scary thing. So <laughs> do we understand that the power of God in its pure brute force, that if he said, let there be light, let there be the heavens and the earth, move that mountain, boy, whew, that's the power that we're glorifying here. All of that is like a mighty river. It's like water. But in this verse... I want you to know that that same power is in you, and you are a walking miracle. Sin has caused death in us, but because the Spirit is alive, there is a chance for righteousness. But you can have righteousness. I don't want it to be just this hopeful thing. Are you with me this morning? You can have that. Amen? Okay. Oh, my goodness. This is good stuff right here. Then verse 11, we get to this place where it says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now y'all see the title of this message, right? This is the authority to discharge. Anybody ever been discharged from the hospital? You can't leave until they say you can leave. Anybody who's been discharged from the army, it's like an honorable thing or a dishonorably, dishonorably discharged. It's the authority by which they say, okay, now you can kind of do whatever you want to do. You're no longer connected to this anymore. If you will, it's talking about the spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Do we really understand that? If you will with me, nothing crazy is going to happen, but all I want you to do is just close your eyes with me for a couple minutes. And I want you to imagine yourself in Jerusalem, in the tomb, with Christ, right now. It's dark. It's damp. There is no crack of light coming from that stone. But you are sitting there in the room. You can't see the hand six inches in front of you, but you know what's in front of you. You know that there's a bed that is made of rock, and Jesus' body is sitting on that bed. For whatever reason, you feel as though there is a presence in the room with you, but you know nobody else is there. And just keep your eyes closed. The Spirit gives you the ability to watch Jesus take his first breath after being beaten, after being ripped apart, all because of my sin, being taken down off the cross and laid into that tomb, he is lifeless. But guess what? In a moment, that presence that's in the room you see Jesus take his first breath after conquering death. You watch him get up. You watch him take the cloth and throw it aside. But you watch him take that face cloth, fold it up, and place it nicely where he was laying. Then you watch this man, without even a gesture, move this stone, this heavy stone, and the first crack of light shines through the opening of this tomb. And you're still standing there. You're watching this whole thing. You are in the tomb with Jesus right now. He walks out of the tomb, and you see him silhouetted. But then you know what happens? He turns around. And he looks at you. He looks at you. He's looking at Alex. He's looking at Jim. He's looking at, at Jerry. He's looking at Julie. He holds out his hand and he beckons you to come out of the tomb that you are in. The tomb that is death. The tomb that was death that couldn't hold him. He's saying, you know what? I need you to come out. And I want you to see yourself right now walking out of the tomb because he has the authority to discharge you from your sin and from death. He has the authority to discharge you from the stuff that is just 
pulling you down and will not let go. He is the only one who can say, come out. He is calling you out right now. You can go ahead and open up your eyes. He has the authority to discharge. And he's asking you to do that today, right now. Are you with me? People, man, you ever been to the, the high-flying place with the trampolines everywhere? I just wish there was one right here. Backflip after backflip. We just, come on, come on. That is what we are glorifying. When Jesus took his first breath, he took that breath with, as if you were right there. And he's saying, there is no reason you need to be in that tomb anymore. He wants his people to have life. And life more abundantly. Right now. I am beating a dead horse, but this is a good dead horse to beat. Okay? You got to be a changed person today. There's no reason not to be. As the word goes out, there should be a demonstration. How much longer, I said this last week, how much longer are we just going to be okay with coming in and hearing the word? Jesus is in the room and we don't get to experience the power. I want to experience the power, the signs, the wonders. Somebody's going to get healed today. Amen. Amen? Come on now. Maybe we just need to go to one service and just mesh them both. It's like we never have time. <laughs> to get to things. You guys with me? He's bringing life to your mortal body. And he says this, so then brethren, we are under, we are not, excuse me, we are under obligation. That means we are legally bound, morally bound. That's what obligation means. It says, so then brother, we are legally bound and morally bound not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if we are living according to the flesh, here is the conclusion. You must die. There is no other plan B. There's no other road that it works out. There's no other process of thinking that all of a sudden you're just going to get there by yourself. And it's a good thing. The scripture says, you live according to the flesh, death is what comes. But... According to the Spirit, what do you do to the things of the flesh? You put them to death. And you will live. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Ladies and gentlemen, we are glorifying the exousia, the dynamos, and the kratos power of God. His ability to say it. His ability to move. And his ability to heal you. Man, if there is anything in you that says amen throughout the week, it should be because of that. We have life and not death. I am appealing to you this morning. Come out of the tomb. Come out of the tomb. He has the authority. He's been saying it to you since you knew him. Come out of the tomb. Let's get our worship team up here and get prepared for our offering. As we kind of begin to close here. And what I would like to do is... Uh, do you have anything? No? 
want to have somebody come alongside you in prayer when it comes to coming out of the tomb. Uh, Jesus is beckoning. He's saying, I've taken care of it. But you got to take steps. We look at Abraham. The Lord made a promise, but it took 14 years because the faith had to work itself out. Right? He's saying something. But he's saying you got to put that one foot in front of the other. If you want somebody to come alongside you in that, in prayer, and you feel like you need to come up front for that, then amen. Let's do that. Um, let's have our, uh, you guys can come up here, offering. Little children, love it. <laughs> you guys ready? Yeah, thank you for helping me out this morning. Let's pray for this right quick, okay? Father, thank you so much for um, these two young children's willingness to serve in this time. God, I pray that you would open that up in their heart. And Lord, touch each one of them um, and blossom them, Father, into uh, just the, the child of God that you are um, calling them to be. Lord, we thank you for what you've been saying to us today through these scriptures. That, Lord, you're asking us to come out of this tomb. And Lord, we want to take that seriously. As we close the service and as we give, I pray that we can glorify you in that. And know that um, the power of God is even behind giving. It is. So, Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. So you can go ahead and pass that there. Right on. So, I'm going to give that call. And, and, and Beck and leadership in the room, um, we're going to take a couple minutes here. And this altar is open. If you just want to give it up and ask the Lord to fill you up, um, ask the Lord to show you how to walk out of that tomb, maybe you're afraid to. I think somebody needs prayer today. I do. So this altar is open. Uh, we're going to sing this song. Why don't you go ahead and uh, stand to your feet. And, and I'll give us the, the benediction after we kind of let the spirit move here. Let him do what he wants to do. But please, don't miss the opportunity. that even keeps our marriages together. Father, it's the power of God that keeps relationships tight. It's the power of God that heals. Lord, we want to see the blind getting their sight back. God, we want to see the lame walking. God, we want to hear and see the deaf hearing again. Father, and Lord, we want to see people being raised from the dead. Everybody said, Amen.
sure you say hello to somebody on the way out. You guys are free to go.